Everybody, welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we're coming to you live from a couple of places on the internet. We are live over on YouTube, aka the Tube. We're live on Facebook. We're live on Twitch. We're live on Twitter. We're live on Crowdcast. Oh, we're man. live on your cell phone. Everywhere we're hacking into every place imaginable. It's very exciting. We- yeah, we're like a villain in a comic book movie. <laughs> we're on every channel, every which place. Or maybe you're listening later on Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. Either way, it's all good. And we have a awesome show for you tonight. I'm very excited yeah, about we the do. guests that we have here. Uh, but first of all, any business to discuss? Anything we should talk about before the show starts? Any uh, pressing news items you want to bring up, Justin? Uh, I'm still Justin. Still, um, <laughs> I'm in a kitchen. Uh, so I'm sort of upstairs, Justin, which is oh, um, okay. in the classic Ooh, British yeah. style. I'm more aristocratic. I'm a little bit fancier. Mm. I'm drinking a um, red beer rather than a regular colored. Oh, beer. a so, red beer. BC. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. sound good. I think your beer yeah, is sick. Not. Beer sick? Yeah, it's just a, yes. a, just a little bit of uh, finger blood. Pete, I can't help but notice you didn't blur your background today. Are you okay with everybody seeing the hoodies behind you and the fact that you're Oh, you know hoodies? what, Zalbin? Here's <laughs> another great example of you using information that I gave you as a friend, and you're using it against me. <laughs> what? Congratulations. <laughs> What's the secret? You have hoodies behind be you? the worst person on this podcast, so just... <laughs> you you know what i mean just do it here's what i want here's what i want all right so pete usually blows the background because he has hoodies behind him which is fine you own hoodies it's okay they're actually very nicely arranged i think it's not a problem it gives a little character and color to your background it goes from the most brightly colored one on the left over to the darkest one on the on the right exactly it's a veritable rainbow of hoodies the if anybody is upset that Pete has hoodies behind. Oh, and you're wearing another hoodie. Wow, five hoodies. That's amazing. Well, yeah, but also I'm just showing off my flex. New Orleans uh, hoodie flex T-shirt because I just got back from an amazing uh, food tasting and tour. That was like a month city. ago, bro. Hey, I'm still living there. <laughs> he never there in my left. Mind. He never left. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Well, anyway, if you are upset that Pete is has hoodies behind us, please write us at comicbookclublive at gmail.com and we will make people uh, Pete reblur the background. But that's the big yeah. pressing thing we need to talk about <laughs> here at the top yeah. of the show. What I wanted to get? blur the background, hide, disguise his voice with one of those uh, little things you talk into. Let's really all go full witness protection. Absolutely. Just based on these hoodies, the worst thing that I've ever seen, personally. I'm very upset about it. Pete's I actually getting upset. Way to start so the I, show. I don't feel weird for our guests who then got to come in and talk to us. I think you're doing uh, great. So they have no hoodies because uh, that's clearly a scene. Yeah, I've already seen their cameras. And they had a, actually all of our guests had a bunch of hoodies behind them, but they were like, that looks terrible. Let's get it's rid of them. professional. You're right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, Listen, I'll tell you what. Let's bring in our first professional guest and see what she thinks about this hoodie nice. situation. Good. She is the creator of the other happy place, an awesome looking new book uh, that is coming from Zoop. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesse Sharon. Jesse, hello. Welcome. Hi. So nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, my gosh. Hello. Thank you for coming on. Uh, this book is so cool looking. Now, I- I'm going to say this wrong, so please correct me immediately after I say it. But at least in terms of the Zoop, it's not a book yet. You're giving, you're putting up a art book that shows the look of the book. Is that yeah, correct? It, I'm calling it Chapter Zero. It's the art book. It's kind of like the proof of concept or mm. like 
have you ever seen like a show bible that's kind of what mm-hmm. it is sure, so it's yeah like, oh very there's, cool there's bits of lore there's like my thought process but a lot of art of like the entities that are in the story the location but a lot of like standalone illustrations that I think kind of tell their own story so it's like you still get narrative out of it it's just not a comic at the moment no it's an art book yeah this is such an interesting way to approach a project. We have lots of people with different Kickstarters and Zoop projects and other things like that. What was the idea behind releasing the art book first rather than, say, jumping right into the book? Well, a couple things was, uh, one, I'm just really proud of the art I've made. It's like probably my favorite art I've ever made in my life. So um, yeah. what my uh, narrative partner, Kaylin, uh, she, uh, she's the one who's helping me with the story. Um, she was like, I think you have enough art to put on an art book. And I was like do you think people will want that? I was like, um, I wasn't sure if I was at the level. And um, uh, I, and she was like, yeah, for sure. And uh, I, I floated. I was like, would people be interested in an art book? And people were like, yes. And I was like, oh, okay. So, but what I like about the art <laughs> too, is it's like a sample, like a, or hors d'oeuvres of what the story is going to be. So I feel like you get a good taste of what the world is, kind of like a movie trailer almost. Mm. But it's like a solid 50 plus page book of, art on every single page so it's it's a little bit between a, a picture book and an art book is what i would call it yeah i mean i feel like it's it's all the fun stuff you were yeah. like let's do the fun first which yeah. um i and, think is a great way to go and by just to be clear so we know in case people are just listening uh these images are now like burned into my brain and will haunt <laughs> nightmares forever these are some of the creepiest also most beautiful uh pictures i've ever seen was the is the kind of thought process behind it like I have scary images in my head and now I want to <laughs> share it and haunt other other people? I mean, what what's the uh, this That's one what being is. an artist oh, is, Pete? Essentially, yeah. It's like I have to think about this now. You think about it, right? No, yeah, 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 exactly. This is in my head now. You know, your nightmares forever. I've loved horror for years and years and years, but I didn't ever think I was like good enough to give it a go. Oh. And at the end of 2021, I was like, ah, screw it. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna make a side account and I'll give it a try because I love so many horror movies. Like Hellraiser is probably like my all-time mm. favorite film. Oh, and I think I'm you're like, showing a little bit of Hellraiser here. Yeah, Clive Barker is a big influence. I love him. Um, but uh, yeah, so like I was, uh, I'm deeply drawn to cosmic horror and like supernatural horror that's beyond understanding. And um, so I was like, I want to do that kind of story. And so my brain really started working on those concepts. And I was like, I want to make something that is as unique as I can do. So I was, I I tried really hard. Like, it really makes me happy that you say it's beautiful and scary. Uh, I I know this is an audio medium on Spotify, but um, there's a big visual motif of butterflies, which Mm, I was, I was really happy when I landed on that and primary colors and light. I am really into the idea of light and color being a source of horror rather than just simply darkness. And um, I'm really into this French idea of the call of the void, which is like you're standing on the top of a building and you want to you want to jump, but you don't want to jump. And in cosmic mm-hmm. horror, there's this like idea of um, you want to know, but you don't want to know. It's like the people who have to read the Necronomicon, right? There's nothing good in there, but you want to know. <laughs> I want yeah. to evoke that sort of feeling. It's like, oh, it's beautiful. I don't like what's happening, but I want to look at it. So it means a lot that you, that you get there. I'm like, yay, that makes me feel good. I wanted to ask you about, oh, sorry, Justin. I wanted to ask about one of your other influences because this is immediately what I thought of and I don't know if this played into it at all, but there's a book called The Mysteries of Harris Burdick by Chris Van Alsberg that immediately jumped out at me. 
know. You don't know it. Okay. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. That it was not an influence. Uh, you should check out the book. It's super cool. Uh, but it's also very much like these very creepy pictures. And the idea is there's just these one or two lines about the story, usually the end oh, of the story. I love that. So that kind of jumped out to me a little bit here. Yeah, you, I, you'll probably enjoy it. <laughs> I love when you have just enough information that you're completely lost. Like mm-hmm. you, you're like, oh, you, you've given me this. So I feel all the time. Right, right. Well, yeah, it's, it's a relatable feeling. And I really like it in horror and, and supernatural stories. It's like, you're given just enough of a clue that you're like, what is that? And, and you chew on it and you're like, I don't know. What could that mean? So like, I, I like that kind of thing a lot. Yeah. Now, after working on something like this, does it change your entry point into the next story you want to tell? Are you now like, oh, I'm going to do all of these? Like, how do you choose the first one you want to get in, get into? So after the art book, I have two things I'm actually currently working on. I paused it to like come over here into the um to the podcast. So the two things I'm working on for after this is uh, a comic book or I say book, it's gonna be online. Um, it's a comic of the backstory of, there's a character with a butterfly coming out of his head. Um, that's yes. gonna be his story. So it'll be about him and how he became like that. And the other thing I'm working on is a, is a uh, RPG maker game. It'll be pixel art. And that'll be um, oh. a female character going around in an art museum solving puzzles and trying to escape. So um, but yeah, both of the, uh, my ideal for this project is multimedia. So like the art book's the first thing, but next I want to do a comic. I want to do a game. It's like, I would like each part of the story to have a medium that fits it. And like, you can enjoy them on their own or you can take in these different things and get a bigger picture is like my goal for it anyway. I'm pretty um, ambitious with it. Well, can you talk about your artistic process then? Because again, for anybody who's listening and not seeing the images, you have these incredibly detailed black and white images that have these beautiful glowing color pieces like the butterflies that you mentioned that are layered over it. Or there's some uh, pictures where you just have these red bugs crawling and falling out of people's faces. So how do you approach this art? Is it different for each thing? Is there a unifying idea for the book? Okay, good. We're here. Sorry, the internet went a little bit a bit. Anyway, am I slowly? Yeah. Yep, you're here. Yeah, you're good. Sorry about that. I, it's Comcastic. I don't know why it does. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. Um, yeah, so my process, uh, I, I went to school uh, uh, for art, and a lot of what I learned was traditional. So like, um, you know, uh, acrylic painting, ink, and um, charcoal. And I've always really liked that, like, tactileness. And I've tried to uh, bring that into my digital art. Um, so a lot of this, for what this project has been, as I've been studying a lot of like um, old black and white movies, uh, black and white photos, um, things really high contrast, uh, almost like um, having a lot of visual noise, um, grit to it. I'm not quite there yet. I'm getting, I'm approaching what I really want. But like, um, I'm going for evoking a feeling of like an old movie that's gone horribly wrong. Like if you injected <laughs> into a 19... 19- 60s film and it went all curdled like that's kind of the feeling I want to evoke so my process a lot of times is is, I mean I I don't know how many uh, of y'all do visual art but like I I usually do a sketch and then I'll do flat colors and then most of the labor of the drawing is the last steps of the lighting and the and the shadows it's a lot of layers and a lot of like working back and forth and like 
really capturing a glow. I'm always like literally just saving pictures of beautifully lit rooms or like um, I'll be outside in a tunnel with like sodium lights and I'll take a picture of it because I'm like, that's perfect lighting for a scary scene. Meanwhile, I'm in a scary mm. tunnel, <laughs> but, I, but I'm like, I'm always like, um, I'm very much like a, a hoarder of resources. Um, and <laughs> I, yeah, I really pull like visuals from like, light is my most favorite thing to study. So uh, I like lot- that you're, you're chasing horror any which way you can find it. Yeah, you see I, I, something that's scary and you're like, I got to get this. I take it very seriously. It's my passion. I really love horror. I think it's so fun. And well, um, yeah. <laughs> oh, all I was going to say was uh, you mentioned this a little bit already, but we have a question from over on YouTube from Derek Mainhart says, so who are your influences? Gosh. Okay. Clive Barker, HP Lovecraft. Um, I've been built uh, I've been, oh gosh. Uh, Mike Mignola. Um mm-hmm. Gosh, like so many. I literally made a giant thread. Um, a lot of Russian <laughs> artists are really, really good right now. Um, Junji Ito, obviously. Um, uh, uh, Trevor Henderson. Uh, like I could literally name endlessly. I, I, I love art and I love horror art. Um, I, yeah. <laughs> I could literally send you a list of how many influences I have. I Derek Mainhart also suggests it's uh, Magritte and Clive Barker had a baby. I love that. I yeah, love so Congratulations. He's one of my favorite painters. That's a really good call. That was really good. I didn't, I see it. Yeah. Uh, and their baby would probably look kind of terrifying too, just like your art. So I think that would all work out. <laughs> Beautiful. Yes. No uh, babies horrifying, Alex. <laughs> all babies are beautiful. Absolutely. Uh, unfortunately, it looks like Jesse froze a little bit, so Comcast is not cooperating. <laughs> uh, but in the meantime, I will mention that oh. the Zoop campaign, while hopefully she's trying to get back, I guess we'll see what happened. Uh, but the Zoop campaign is going right now. It is uh, very successful. Uh, I'm just clicking over to it here. The goal was $5,000. They are up to over $17,000 with 15 days left. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, the, oh, hey, there's Jesse. Hello. I was I'm just plugging your Zoom. I don't want to keep messing up the show. If I'm messing it no, up. It's, no, totally no, no, fine. no, no. All good. We were just plugging your Zoom a little bit. I, I mean, on that note, you've already met a couple of stretch goals. What can yeah. people expect if they go over to the campaign? Um, so I have the art book. So the book, I really wanted to be the main focus. So I really wanted it to look really good. Those you guys have been super awesome. It's already reached the stretch goal for having UV spotting on the um, butterflies on the cover. So I'm really happy about that. <laughs> um, it also has uh, stickers, which I've always wanted to do. I love stickers. And uh, it has art prints over there. And I also have signed copies and sketches. And you can commission me if you want to. I, I, there's a spread, even though the, the focus is on the art book. But yeah, you could, there's quite a few items over there. What I really hope is if it goes over 20, I could do a pin. I would love to do like um, an enamel pin. That would be really sick. So, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. Uh, Jesse, this is so cool. This is such a go- cool project. Um, I can't wait to check out the whole thing and also eventually down the road, check out the book or book I'm excited as to well. show you. So, oh, yeah. And the pins. We got to get to those pins. Got to yeah. get to those pins. Jesse, thank you so much for coming on. Have thank a great night. You have a nice night too. All right. There we go. Once again, the project is called The Other Happy Place. It's on Zoop right now from Jesse Sharon, and it is so awesome. Definitely check it out. Pete is scared silent. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's uh, it's haunting, and it's going to stay with you for a while, but it's also really beautifully done and amazing. So, I I didn't want to mention this before, Justin. I don't know if I should mention this, but Pete, there are giant red bugs that have been crawling out of your face for 
years. We ago. haven't mentioned it, yeah, because it you guys felt are just like... such great friends to not say something <laughs> yeah. like that, you know. The yeah. Whole by the way, there's time. none crawling out of the hoodies though. The hoodies are just like pristine. Yeah, I, I, I think sure. the hoodies are the cure for the the big red face bugs. Why? Only... Why you're so upset about this? I don't know why you, but fucking, you know, just will extort me constantly all the time <laughs> i don't know if that's really what extortion annoying. is everyone has hang-ups alex and pete is has a hoodies hung up behind him and really <laughs> exactly well done sir well excellent uh why don't we bring in our two next guests here they are the creator of a new book called danger and other unknown risks which risks i said that very terribly which is coming out very soon from penguin workshop and you also know them as the team behind unbreakable scroll girl the gentlemen erica yeah. henderson and ryan north hello, hello. Thank us. hi i said unbreakable squirrel girl but i meant she's also there yeah exactly yeah, that's she's also, that's not breakable yeah uh thank you so much for coming on i'm so excited to chat about this book which is awesome it's coming out april 4th from penguin workshop so we won't spoil anything about it necessarily uh, but just to give the pitch of the book actually i'm nervous about giving the pitch of the book because there's so many different things that go on thanks for coming on goodbye uh ryan do you want to give the pitch for the book if you don't mind Oh, I was going to toss that to Erica. Oh, right. Okay, so the okay, oh, Erica, please, yeah. Wait, you know what? I feel like we always do different things. So why don't you do one, and I'll, like, whatever you don't get oh, to, I'll nice. fill it. Okay, sure, sure. So Danger and Other Unknown Risks is a story of a young woman named Marguerite and her talking dog, Daisy. And they've been Daisy. raised since birth to go on an adventure to save the world. But they discover that there is... It's not as easy as I think it is. And also, stuff I don't want to spoil happens. <laughs> <laughs> Erica, what did I miss? Uh, well, I feel like my elevator pitch always goes less towards like what actually happens in the book and more uh, the themes. And so, mm. uh, for me, it's a fun, friendship-filled adventure that's about building a future when there is none. Ooh, that's way better ooh, nice look at this this is why i yeah. tossed they, it to no, her erica those... wins i'm sorry Ryan. i apologize uh, they, they lock in together pretty well though i think it's nice to hear both well i mean on that note and this is the big thing that i, I want to talk to you about first before we get more into the book obviously you're both well known for working on squirrel girl together what is it about that partnership that really worked for the two of you that you wanted to continue on to this new book it's funny. Um, I've said before that it felt like Marvel has kind of been like a, a dating site for friendship where they I met Erica through Squirrel Girl. And like, this is a this is a job, right? Like this is she's the artist. I'm the writer. Do your work. You'll get paid. Thanks. Um, but we really hit it off and became good friends and uh, wanted to continue that uh, create a relationship even after the book had ended and i gather that's not normal i think normally like everyone's there to do a job they're not there to make friends but i was there to make friends <laughs> wow you're a reverse rea reality just... show contestant yeah <laughs> i think we also just uh we are i feel like we're different people that have like similar things that we obsess over mm -hmm. um ah. and so there were there were just little things that we started like 
really meshing about and I think that led into more of a friendship than just like, here's the script. All right, I'm going to hand this art off to the editor. And, you know, n never the twain shall meet. <laughs> See you never. Well, what are, <laughs> yeah. without prying too much, I mean, what are those things? Were there things specifically that were aspects of the book? Was it the creative relationship? What what were those? <clears throat> I, I feel like a story that I go to is um, there was one time we had like a, a dinner after New York Comic Con. Our editor was there. <laughs> And this was, yeah, you know this. I feel like this story explains tell a lot of this how is a we bad are. Story. No, this is a great story. He's like hanging his head in shame. <laughs> Eric is killing yeah. it this episode. Ba bad because we're saying bad things? Or because... Yes, please proceed. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> well, it, it was just basically, we were told that we were going to be shipped off to the Savage Land. We we're going to move this one story uh, thread earlier because New York was going to be in the They're like, we don't. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, not the two of us. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what um, it sounded like. I was, I was like, oh, wow, that's uh, a real place, I guess. Uh, and they were like, we don't need you getting involved in like the, the larger event. So yeah, you'll just be elsewhere while the event is happening. And like, I think normally it'd be like, great, we've already sort of vaguely plotted the story out. It's fine. Uh, we know what we're doing. But we we're like, hold on. What do you mean New York's going to be under a dome? How does that work? And we just start like, how, like the, is water getting through? Like, how, how does sewage going to happen in a city this big? Cities rely <laughs> on food from the outside. You don't have cities without farmers. Where's the food coming? Like, we've just dig, dug into the logistics of how New York could survive under a dome. And our poor editor, Will Moss, was like, it, it, that's not the story. Don't don't worry about that. No. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you're not even going to be thing. dealing with this. <laughs> And when you thought about that sewage, you turned to each other and said, we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> I think we were already there, but I think this is an example yeah. of the ways in which we like will hyper-focus and be like, wait. And ruin someone else's story. <laughs> <laughs> well, ruin obviously, nice Squirrel Girl was super successful, ran for a very long period of time. This, again, without spoiling anything specific, but you've already hinted at this a little bit. This is a very different type of story with very different characters and a very different focus. So when you were trying to create something original here, was there a thought of, okay, this is what we did on Squirrel Girl. Let's aim in these different directions. Or did that just happen naturally? We had uh, this unusual situation of kind of a blank slate wherein uh, Erica was going to do a book with a different writer who then didn't turn in a script for a long time. She was like, Ryan, why don't you write something instead? And I said, love to, let's do it. And so normally you have to have a story to sell to get a publisher interested. But in this case, they'd already signed off on something and I sort of slipped in through the uh, back door. Mm, and amazing. so uh, we had literally a blank page. We had a bunch of calls to talk about uh, what we enjoy, what we don't enjoy. I remember uh, grilling Erica on exp how, explaining her country to me. Like I'm Canadian. I was like, Erica, I got some questions about America. <laughs> why, why are you this oh, wow. way? Why you got to be this way? <laughs> And uh, one of the things we talked about was uh, chosen one narratives where I, were, I was, remember saying like, you know, America is a nation literally founded on rejecting the divine right of kings to rule. And yet you love these stories about people who are special by dint of their birth. Explain this. How do you reconcile these two points of view, Erica? Explain it to me now. Wow, and uh, she was like, I don't, I don't. Hold on, Erica. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Very intense conversations we had. Um, <laughs> but that, that ended up in the book. Like part of the book, part of the, the first things we were talking about was... Um, chosen one narratives and our frustration with what they seem to say about the world 
and the way they kind of put people in boxes and all that sort of stuff. The other thing we talked about was, um, and I forgot about this, Erica reminded me last week, uh, everything she pitched, every story idea, what if we did a detective story? What if we did this? I would say yes, and there should be a talking dog. And I don't remember doing that, but it scans 100%. <laughs> and I did get my talking dog, so it worked out. Uh, well, that's, well, we, we oh, wound up here because we were like, okay, let's start with the talking dog. Okay, like, <laughs> we, we need to like have a story where that'll work. Like, If that's going to be in there, let, let's just do it. That's, like, that's your deal breaker, one. North. <laughs> that's how they invented the Muppets as well, actually. They started with a talking dog and worked outwards. That's actually oh, wow. true now that I think of it because Ralph was Ralph, first. Yeah. Ralph, there you Ralph. go. Anyway, yeah. bad job. Wow. Uh, take it away. Yeah, I just want to say, speaking, speaking of the talking dog, uh, Daisy is uh, just my favorite. I, I love it so much in the story. I, I love the feel, the tone of it. H- how do you come up with character voices uh, when you guys are working? Is it the team effort is it you know like i i just i i love the voice of daisy in this so much i just wondered about like how you kind of did that or if you wanted to make it feel more humanish or what the kind of process was for that yeah uh so we should talk about the collaboration part of this because we did it um really unusually uh, in that mm. it ended up being you know i would write something Send over to Erica. She would cross out whole chapters, write something back, <laughs> send it back to me. I would cross some stuff out, write some new stuff, send it back and forth. And like, this is a collaborative process that you do not do with someone unless you absolutely trust and respect them wow. and are secure enough wow. in your own feelings to not be like, I poured my heart into that chapter and you just cut the whole thing. Um, but it made the book. Uh, feel so much more lived in because all these directions they don't go in the story they could have gone there once at some point in the past and we know what would have happened and so we're not in the situation where we don't know all these different questions we've answered we just haven't put all those answers in the book so we can hint to them Um, it makes it feel to me uh, a lot more lived in and it was a crazy collaborative process that uh, I hadn't done before (laughs) and I think it worked out really well (laughs) I agree uh, yeah, I, one this this book just reminds me of two. It poked the parts of my brain of two loves of mine: Adventure Time and Tintin. Uh, and it feels like those you're are great chasing, comparisons. Thank you. Well, it, it feels yeah. like it's it sort really of is the modern right day the Tintin. I would agree. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the, both in the 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 art style a bit, and just sort of the the way adventure is like uh, the primacy here. So number one, is that are we always going to be chasing adventure? Is that the goal? Like Erica, I answered the last two. This one's yours. Oh, man. Uh, I I guess. Um, I mean, in... Okay, so with Tintin, part of, like, what doesn't read anymore is, like, the colonial parts of it. And right. that's when one of the weird things about, like, pursuing adventure, I think, nowadays, because you don't want to have that type of story. And I think... We're kind of doing it, but we're exploring our own world as it changes. Um, and I, I yeah, think well, I was going to say that's the, like fertile ground. The adventure sort of genre feels like it is like like you're saying it's burnt. It's a little closed off. It feels like so many stories are going into like sci-fi fantasy, where but this feels like it is of that adventure core, which is just like a harder nut to crack. I think so. That's why I'm so curious 
to sort of live in that and find that tone while also still being in a, in a different world that you are creating. Well, let me, sorry, let me throw something out to jump off of what you're saying, Justin, because uh, you guys were saying that you wanted to play in this adventure format, this chosen one, talk about what that means. And again, without getting into spoilers or anything, but I think that's a pretty typical place to start with a YA series or a YA graphic novel series, right? And clearly, like, you're giving that arc and then twisting it and turning it and poking holes in it as much as possible. So talk a little bit about crafting that. Was there an eye to, okay, we're doing a book for Penguin Workshop and they're probably looking for a graphic novel series that they could launch. Let's figure out how we can kind of play around with that a little bit. Well... It wasn't workshop initially, oh, and then later okay. it was. So we really, like, it was really just a fully a blank sheet. Or, like, mm. we, Originally, I it think was a the DC adventure... black label book. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I really think the adventure came from the idea that we were going to go towards fantasy, which came from the talking dog. It, it all comes from that, that it one. It comes from the talking dog. The, the talking dog is the the atom that exploded at the beginning of time. That's so funny. <laughs> well, talk about the main character then. We have this main character, Marguerite, who, other than the talking dog, no offense to the talking dog, is driving... Talking human. The talking human, if you will, <laughs> is driving a ton of <laughs> narrative. Um, what was important about her? Where did you start with her character? You've established the talking dog. Now you've moved on to the talking human. <laughs> what did you want to happen there? <laughs> That's a really good question. I, I feel like I should have an answer for that. I, I think there were two things that were important for me. And the first one was she... I really wanted her to be that person who's going out in the world for the first time. Whether, you know, like you're leaving for college or you know, you're just out of the house on your own doing your own stuff. I wanted that to be an important part of her character. That like that journey that everyone goes on at some point um and then with that comes like some uh you know some naivete that mm -hmm. she's a very capable person but like you know how how much did we know when we were first leaving the house not a lot and she has that um confidence of youth that we all had you know in our yeah. mid to late teens like i know how things work i'm not an idiot mom like i can do this and like that's a, just a fun uh, time in your life <laughs> until you learn your value. <laughs> and it's a fun place for a character. You get to see her um, sort of realize throughout the course of the book that things are perhaps more complicated than what she thought they were. And maybe these complicated problems don't have the simple answers that you might have thought you could see. Why does no one else see the, the simple and easy to implement answer? The not to keep going back to Squirrel Girl, but a lot of it in a not in not so sneaky way, but a lot of it was STEM, right? Like you were sneaking in these STEM lessons in the middle of these very fun superhero stories. And a lot of that was the driving mechanism of the stories that were happening in the book. Here you've got rules, but the rules are very specifically not science based or if anything, would you consider the opposite in terms of magic? Was that any part of the discussion say, okay, we did that. We did the science-based stuff. Let's no go. No more science. Direction. We're done with science. <laughs> I would never say that. Never in a million years. 
Um, I mean, there's still rules. Like the one of the main things mm -hmm. in the book is that she has a magic spell. That's the only one she has, and it works differently in different regions. So we are setting down some rules. But I think the STEM thing with with Doreen Green Squirrel Girl and the magic with Marguerite, both of them are um, clever young women who don't necessarily operate within the rules of the genre they're in. And so that's what made Doreen so refreshing that she's in a superhero universe, but she doesn't know that. And she doesn't want to fight people all the time. She'd rather talk to them. And so suddenly, you know, she'll have a conversation instead of fist fight. And that's a breath of fresh air in the Marvel universe, but it's more normal for us. And Marguerite <laughs> doesn't exist, doesn't know that she's in a, uh, this fantasy comic book. And so she does make a lot of, uh, I think, reasonable, reasonable, rational choices that fit her rather than necessarily fitting the genre so she's never bending herself to what the genre needs she's never i wish i could think of a specific example but for me you can always tell when the character is doing something because that's what the writer wants them to do and it feels like they're being pulled in that direction artificially well what you want is a character to feel alive and do what they would do in that situation not caring about what other people have done in stories in the genre because they wouldn't know that they're they're different people that's a very writerly where... answer to a question. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I think that's where a lot of the collaboration stuff started because, like, the first script came in. I was like, oh, I want to make a little tweak. And then when I tweaked, because it was an emotional tweak in the character, and then when I did that, I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. She wouldn't have done this. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just this domino. And I think that happened each time, like, less and less each time because, you know, there there are 20 something drafts, but those drafts towards the end look very similar to each other. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we got a question here from YouTube. Your collaborations have so far produced youth oriented stories. Is there something about working together that brings out the child in each of you? <laughs> so the funny story about this is that uh, I've said before that my secret to writing all ages is that everyone keeps their clothes on and, and nobody swears. And then you, <laughs> Just go with that and you trust that the youth will, will keep up with you and pick up what you're dropping down. Um, and I, because like I said earlier, this book sort of started without me, um, didn't necessarily know what genre we were working in. And so in one of the early, very early drafts, I had a conclusion that was uh, very much not YA. And uh, mm. our editor was like, this is a bit rough for the YA group. And I was like, Yes, because that is what we are writing, and I was aware of that all along. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So it's not necessarily innate in our collaboration, but I think it's it is a place. I mean, Erica's her one of her most recent books is called Dracula Motherfucker. So like we both can work outside of this <laughs> YA middle grade space, but um, I don't know. I I really it's where the story was. I think that brought us here. Erica, do you think so? That's just the editor. Yeah, I think it's just the energy we had when we were talking to each other. Uh, I feel like the, some of the ideas we had may have ventured in other directions, and then they just, those ideas never made sense. Like, this, the, the story we were trying to tell. And which is funny, because like, like you said, we don't individually always do those kinds of stories. But together, yeah. for some reason. Well, I if I hadn't insisted on a talking dog, if I insisted on like a, a talking Jack the Ripper... Who is yeah. also or a, a, swear, no. a swearing dog. <laughs> a swearing <laughs> dog. A nude swearing Jack the Ripper. How about that? Just to pitch that out. Oh, that's fun. I no. feel like that exists. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Jack the Ripper was not, was not fully clothed all the time. I feel like. Yeah. The, um, 
since you are dealing get to get this slightly back on track uh, since you are dealing with age and youth and growing up like we were talking about earlier is this the sort of thing if it continued in a series do you think you would see the protagonist growing up in some way and the book potentially aging up or would it always be in this ya mode that you ultimately ended up in so we have literally never discussed this. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I think the more interesting <laughs> thing is that she does age. Like the first Danger and Unknown, Other Unknown Risk is a story about um, confronting your youth in some ways and the things that you thought you were true that were true that you never really considered before because you were just a kid. And I don't know, for me, and maybe this is a reaction to Squirrel Girl too, where like, superheroes are often in this eternal middle act where they have an origin and then they have a bunch of ventures and then they have a conclusion, but you never reach that conclusion. And we kind of dance around that with Doreen a lot because she does grow a lot over the course of our five years together. And she, we do bring into some sort of conclusion at the end of that run that feels like a capstone to everything we've done, but doesn't preclude necessarily any stories after that. But coming off of that, I mean, it's really interesting to me to, to have characters who have a life that brings them to particular places and changes them. And like we all do, we're not the same people we were 10 years ago and stuff we've seen and done changed who we were. And I think that's in some sense uh, feels more true. But Erica, do you agree if we were to do a second one, you wanted to be the exact same age yeah, or it, different or what? It would have to be, she would have to uh, grow up. If not, physically emotionally she would have to grow up you know mm -hmm. there she would have to deal with the next challenges that come uh i i find that like episodic thing where your characters always revert at the end of the, the series or episode or whatever to be unsatisfying in that way especially when you you know you wind up doing a story where it's just like you know how, how many times and i love the simpsons but how many times can homer like learn to not strangle his son <laughs> and then like the next episode <laughs> uh well cool so by volume seven it'll be a dc black label book and we'll finally move back as to as originally pitched yes. I, I think it yeah it's really like i feel like the way hearing you guys talk about your collaborative process it really feels like the story is first and you guys are a little bit along for the ride together collectively how do you find that middle ground? Like, are you like the talking dog felt like it took center stage and you just sort of went with it. But like, when does something push on the edge that like, how does it work when it feels like that's not quite in the story? I, I can say there's, oh, sorry, Erica, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that like, we definitely, there are points that we argued a lot on. Um, Argued you say? or debated? <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, I'm not trying to ask a controversial question. I just like it's really rare, I think, to see two people really in service of a story the way that the way you describe it, and I, I, that's amazing. So it's yeah. more of a compliment than uh, <laughs> time you fought. You almost got in a fistfight. Well, I was gonna say there. I don't want to spoil anything, but there is a character in one of my early drafts who died, and then Erica was like, "No, I'm." this character is going to live and this changes the story in these ways. And I was like, that's a big change, but it works. Like <laughs> it, it makes it, it lets the story blossom in a way it wasn't doing before. So it's, it's not really a, 
an argument more than it is uh, being unafraid to say like, no, 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 this is wrong. We're doing this instead and throwing well, that back we, to each other. We did a lot of that. Like we did a lot of that back and forth. Like that one character, every, there was like five scripts in a row where like every time it went back to someone, it was like, oh, okay, well, they've gone through an enormous change. Like first it's they're sticking around and then it's they get to live. And then it's like, oh, they're a girl now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um I, I it, but, just to interrupt there, there without things... oh, all, all I was going to say <laughs> without blowing up your spot, just for anybody who's listening to this, having read the book without uh, spoiling anything, it's wild to me to hear you talking about this character that we're dancing around <laughs> because that's such a major part of the book, and it, it, it's I'm I'm really trying to like skirt around spoilers here, but it's kind of fascinating to hear you talk through this because the way the book works out would not have worked out that way. And the story would not have worked out that way. And it seems so intrinsic to the story that that character ends up the way that they end up. Mm -hmm. So it, it's interesting to see, hear you that you collaborated and have ultimately came up with this thing that seems so crucial to the story. And uh, where you think they died, that's not where they died. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That I think came that's part after of the, we decided they yeah. live. <laughs> yeah, and anybody think... listening to this, check check out the book when it comes out April 4th, and then I guess listen to this again, and you'll know what we're talking about. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Mine will be blown. But I think that's part of what Eric was talking about, like where one change implies all these other changes, because uh, so much of the story connects with all these other parts of the story that um, it, it did really feel like each revision was bringing us closer and closer to what it was the shape it was supposed to be and that didn't feel like we were just revising going in circles trying to find out what the story it was more like if we do this this is better and if we do this this becomes better so it felt like we're just getting a better and better version of the story until we reach the end and we're like well these small changes are basically not doing much so i think we might have <laughs> we might have a book here well, talking about that process of figuring it out, then doing a monthly comic book, obviously there's like a little bit of wiggle room sometime, depending on publishing schedules. But for the most part, it's like barreling ahead mm -hmm. at full speed. Say you got to turn in the script, you got to get this in for the art, you got to get this in for the letters, the coloring, and etc. and etc. Was it sounds like it wasn't necessarily the same process here, where you had a little bit more of an open field at least. Did that? change the process did that allow for this slowly whittling it down until you got the story to the place where you knew hopefully it should be yeah definitely um changed the nature of the story for sure in that you know with with a monthly comic you've got 20 pages it's four dollars to even buy the books you're trying to put as much uh words and jokes as you can into or literally cramming jokes in the margins but in uh, a graphic novel, you have a lot more space to breathe. We can have sequences that sort of spread out a bit over a couple pages that felt um, a little more, I keep reaching for like lived in, it feels a bit more real in that sense. Erica, what do you think about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot more focus on timing, which I always find really important. Like you can you can spend more time guiding someone through the way you want them to read it when there's space, you know, when there's no space, like space equals time on a comics page. And when there's no space <laughs> there, you sort of lose that sense of time. 
Yeah, I think a great example of that is the Mr. Uh, Toadsworth page where there's just kind of like these automatic doors <laughs> in the department store. And there's this, you guys spend some time here in this moment in front of these doors. And it's such a cool kind of moment and very interesting and unique that normally you kind of would just blow by. Uh, to explain, it is an entire page where we're watching people watch a frog go through automatic doors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's better so than it sounds, fun. baby. Yeah, yeah better than it <laughs> sounds. Right. Well, but also another, not to keep blowing up pages from the book, but I feel like these are hopefully the least spoiler things, without mentioning which characters is, there's this absolutely gorgeous page that involves a kiss where it takes its time building up to that from the scripture's perspective, yeah. but you also have this beautiful image of the two characters silhouetted with a star field. Uh, where did that moment come from? How did that develop? Um, I, the, the visual or the, the romance? The, the visual, I think. The visual. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How is, what is romance? I, yeah, what, what do <laughs> kiss feel like? <laughs> How I, I, I get think... kiss. <laughs> <laughs> I think part of it is um, since, and this is not really a spoiler because you, if you see it on like the third page, uh, the story is sort of told in, it's, the story is being told. Like you're, it's technically a letter that's being written to someone. Um, I didn't realize we wrote an epistolary novel. Uh, <laughs> Surprise. But, uh, what? <laughs> You guys are still lear um, learning so much about this book in the process. Yeah. I, I only just realized, but, um, there's, I want it to be a little bit hazy, you know, like it's not focused on any one piece of it. Like we're not zoomed in on the kiss and we're not, we're not seeing exactly where everyone is because it is a silhouette, but like, it's more of a feeling. Hmm. And I, I think that's sort of how people remember yeah. uh, a, an important kiss. You know, it's just sort of, That's it's, you're sort of like, it's just sort of a zone that you're in. Mm -hmm. Well, and that. what I like about that is you, I think in the memory or just memories like that you're describing, you're seeing yourself, but also you're seeing your sort of vision. That's why I thought the stars were so cool. Cause it's like, you know, a, a double view of it. In a way. Yeah. Like there's things you're remembering that are part of yeah. it. Uh, I just want to bring up just real quick a couple of comments from YouTube. Schweiker said, <laughs> "Is this a kissing book?" I'll tell you why. When I got to that scene, that was exactly my thought in my head because there really is like a little bit of a sense of the Princess Bride throughout this <laughs> that fairy tale, like you're talking about. Uh, it's a note that's being read. It's a story that's being told. So I definitely got a little bit of a sense of that. There uh, are two kinds of books in the world: kissing books and not kissing books. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> reading kissing books. Uh, this is uh, from Derek says, speaking of which, is there any chance we could sneak some of that patented Ryan North running commentary on the bottom pages of FF? Fantastic yeah. Four. I've heard of those guys. Um, yeah, I, I almost did for the Johnny Storm issue, but it ended up, I felt like it would stand in the way, uh, in a way that it didn't in Squirrel Girl. So I decided not to do it. Um, I wish Wait, I had a better explanation. Who would the commentary than... be by? It would be by Johnny. And I thought maybe like oh. only Johnny's pages he'll be commenting, but I felt like, oh, what am I, what am I doing here? This feels, it felt like it wouldn't be additive in the same way it was to Squirrel Girl. So I'm never say never, but um, yeah. at least for I now. Like John, Johnny Storm could have a James Gunn-like social media presence, and that could be the running commentary. Just always talking about everything in the middle of it happening. 
Um, and uh, we got one other for you, Ray, and this is from Stray Bullet. Looking at Ryan's background, is he in some sort of nether realm? Are you in a nether realm? Right so now? the sun was setting, and I had really great lighting at the start of this. Yeah, and it was now beautiful. Just... <laughs> yeah, it was beautiful. That's gone away, and this is live, so I can't get up to turn on a light. So, oh, yes, I am in the nether realm. The dark like <laughs> I like to set a, a dramatic mood where I'm just in complete shadow with one side of my face lit. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, and, absolutely uh, beautiful. Working. If I if I move this microphone a little bit, you can see our hoodies just for some uh, Pete solidarity. Oh, thank you, <laughs> thank you very much. I, Excellent, yeah, I appreciate that. It's super Bring it nice back. Thing. I love it. Um, before we let you go, any other projects you want to mention, Ryan? I know we just mentioned Fantastic Four that you're working on, which is Loving phenomenal it. run on that. So good. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? Anything else coming up that you want to plug, other than this book? I'll go first. Um, yeah. I, have, I have nothing coming up that I want to plug beyond Danger Other Unknown Risk. But just recently, I had my new nonfiction book come out called How to Take Over the World, which is uh, taking supervillain plots from comic books and doing them with actual science and technology. So building an actual Ooh. floating base. Awesome. It's a ton of fun. It's sort of the spiritual successor to How to Invent Everything. The same idea of like a fictional candy coating in the nonfictional course. If you like my funny books... Check out my books of prose. <laughs> awesome. And Erica, what about you? Uh, I think my next book's not coming out till... No, wait. Uh, today, I had a, a story that I wrote and drew in the back of a Harley Quinn uh, oh, issue. Yeah. Uh, was that the yeah. one with the page so I, you showed me? Uh, what with was the, the, the page? Joker page? No, that's another one that I did that's not out yet. <laughs> Something to look forward to, everyone. Something to look forward to. But yeah, I guess I, I kind of forgot. Yeah, I guess I've been doing some of these Harley Quinn backup stories, but one just came <laughs> out. The first one just came out like today. Um, but cool. my next book's out in October, which is Parasocial with Alex DeCampi, who wrote Dracula Motherfucker. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And right. uh, I, I do a podcast with uh, Matt Wilson and Benito Sereno called friends till the end where we we usually uh-huh. talk about chucky and now we're on a hiatus so we're talking about <laughs> other killer doll movies <laughs> awesome wait what did you think Great. of megan i assume you talked about megan on the I, podcast oh yeah we that was our actually that ish, that one's about to come out so like watch out okay. for that guys wow listen. Um, oh boy wow. Do you want to no, I love it. Okay. it was great yeah. it was uh actually the first thing that i thought had interesting commentary on like uh, machine learning and AI and the industry, like the whole, mm-hmm. like oh, yeah. break, uh, move fast and break things, while having like a really good family dynamic story. It was good. It was weirdly good. Yeah, I'm excited for. It. I haven't seen it yet, but I love the idea of uh, taking the uncanny value you get with CG characters and then like using it to make you have a revulsion mm-hmm. to that doll. I yeah. thought that was brilliant. It's weaponizing it's the uncanny fun. valley. It's very funny, too, not to make this into a Megan yeah. podcast. It's anything, really taken a turn. <laughs> it did. We went from hoodies <laughs> to Megan and everything Equally in between. horrifying. Uh, Ryan, Erica, thank you so much for coming on. Yes. This book is fantastic. Really I do is. hope it does phenomenally because I want to read more of Marguerite's and the Talking Dog's adventures. Daisy. Mostly the Talking Dog, of course. <laughs> yeah. where it all comes from. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Have a good so night. Much. Take care. Thank you. All right, there we go. Once again, the book is called Danger and Other Unknown Risks. It's coming out from Penguin Workshop on April 4th, and it's great. It's I, so good. Oh, my God. I Get love it. So much. 
definitely pick it up. Thank the both for coming on. And folks, we are going to move to our next section, which is my favorite section, because you all make it up. It is your audience questions. All you have to do for audience questions is drop a question in the comments, and we will get right to them. But before we do that, Justin, you still drinking your blood beer or whatever it was? Yep, I uh, love a blood beer. This is a wild berry beer from um, uh, my far- the farm share that I get. The- they have a brewery there, and I've had this in my fridge for a couple months, and it's time to crack it. It's also gigantic. Woo! Ooh, it's as big as my head. Nice. Pete, what about you? What are you drinking? What did you steal from your brother's fridge? Hey, man, be cool about it. All right? Don't say I'm that so loud. Clearly not cool about anything. That's a good point. I'm, I'm drinking a Zadies. I'm keeping it local. Nice. nice. Uh, what does that mean? Well, I don't go to a hoity-toity farm where no, people are. No, what is it? What does Zadie's meat? What does it taste like? What is it like? It's, you, a, it's like saying some more beer, and uh, it's a lager. It's uh, you know, it's a little heavier than a than a bud. I would say. Nice. <laughs> wow, heavier than a bud? That seems impossible. Heavier than a bud? Heavy, yeah. Alex. Uh, I'm drinking a Negroni tonight. That's what Ooh, I got going on. Giant ice cube. Yes, with a very giant ice cube. Uh, but it's good. Decided to go for a good old Negroni. Is that a Death Star ice cube mold you got going on? or uh, No, it's just starting to split in half. It's this, it's got like, I don't know how it works. Maybe Brett Macris can describe how ice cubes work. Or maybe Justin, you worked as a bartender for a while. It's a round <laughs> ice cube. And for whatever reason, it always splits right in the middle. Um, I don't know the science behind that, but um, it's round. So you're not going to take an edge off. It's got to cut right through. Yeah, there we go. Um, all right, well, we got a couple of questions here that are not my questions about ice cubes. This one is from Stray Bullet. Of all the talking dogs throughout pop culture, which one would you like to be your pet? Wow. I feel Very like cool. Pete has to have like 15 answers locked and loaded, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, Daisy was glorious. I really was enjoying the voice of Daisy. I mean, uh, you know, that surprise moment where the dog is like, surprise, is really funny. Um, I'm trying to think of all the other talking dogs. Um, hmm, hmm, hmm. I'm also a sucker for a talking chimp, you know, um, umbrella academy. You love talking. Yeah. I mean, uh, anything that's doesn't, isn't supposed to talk or anything that's got kind of got like a Wookiee style to it. I'm all about it. Yeah. You know who I love Wookie is style. that dog on family guy, whatever his name is. What are you talking so, about? Brian? Sure. You are the Brian <laughs> of the <laughs> What? What an answer from Alex. Half-hearted and maybe a, a reverse liking that dog. I don't know. Yeah. Yes, Derek actually says Rolf for the Muppets. I'll call Rolf for the Muppets. I'm Rolf's sure. good. Um, I would shout out uh, Jake the dog from Adventure Time. Uh, while it's oh, yeah. and good Less answer. a pet and more a friend. Less a pet, yeah. more a friend. Uh, great answer there. We got one from Nelson Martinez says, are you guys fans of yellow jackets on Showtime? I'm so glad it's back and curious on your thoughts on it so far. Buzz, buzz, buzz. So first, yes, absolutely. Yes. But Justin, have you been watching any of the second season yet? Yeah, I watched the first episode. There's only one episode out now, right? Oh, okay. I forget. Uh, I'm sorry. I oh, also the dog from yeah, Talking yeah. Uh, uh, Cowboy Bebop. I really like that one too. Cowboy yeah, Bebop. The dog from talking. The dog from talking town. <laughs> Look who is the talking the dog from. now. Tom Selleck. 
Uh, nice. I first app came out this past Sunday mm-hmm. and uh, loved it. Into it, this show is good. It's different than a lot of other shows. The way they cut back and forth between the time periods, I think, mm-hmm. is really cool and interesting. And it it reminds me a little bit of Lost in that there are a million things on the table that they are dealing with and talking about, and who knows what they have figured out and where we're going. Just to mention for anybody who hasn't checked it out, I know we talked about it quite a bit on our various podcasts, but it is a show about a girls' soccer team in the 90s that crashes in the Canadian wilderness. Some very weird things happen there. We start off with a scene where maybe they're slaughtering and eating one of their own. We're not quite sure. Two years later, I believe, they're rescued from the wilderness. Again, we don't know how. And then a couple of decades on in the modern day, we catch back up with them where somebody may have figured out the secrets, maybe blackmailing them and things spiral out of control out from there. Mm. One of the things that's fantastic about the first season that is very different from Lost is they kind of answer most of their questions of the first yeah. season. <laughs> like they're well, like, not all of them. Yeah. There's still, there's well, still but they also of- pose so many more, which I think is very Lostian. Yes, it is very Lostian. But at the same time, like it's not, if you got tired of Lost's Forever Mysteries, this is not that. It's also yeah. very funny, very dark, very gross. Um, one of the things that like struck me, and then we could move on to something else, but I was curious to get your take about this, Justin. Watching this new season is, it's almost like a comedy thing. Uh, and it's not necessarily in a funny way, but like they do a really good job of playing the game of, hey, these are teen girls who are trapped here. And yeah. every episode, they find a new way of iterating that and adding something to that where it's like, of course, this is what high school girls would do in this situation. It's not yeah. we're adults writing them as adults. It's we are writing. These are what team girls do. There's a thing in the first season where they're like, oh, my God, we're probably going to die of starvation. Why don't we throw a prom? And so they have a doom coming prom. Or there's even yeah. every episode, there's something like that that just pushes that forward and it's, it's uh, anyways I just want to give a shout out to uh nan smith there on facebook uh, droopy great answer um <laughs> one of my all-time uh favorite talking dogs uh, makes me think of chili willy which is not a talking uh, dog yeah. uh but an adorable who's your favorite who talking they, dog on yellow jackets i forgot to mention all the characters are talking uh, dogs they, well, uh, there's yeah there's teenage now, girls that would make me check it out have a talking dog yeah. Well, Peter, wow. I like how you dra- Looks actually, like you dra- you're somebody again. Ooh. Ooh. You kooky crisp. Pete, you drag the conversation from a top pop culture to another type of pop culture, Chili Willy and Droopy. Yeah, I just uh, was tired fresh of talking out the about this show that I don't watch. So I wanted to. Oh, I think that's called listening. <laughs> yeah, I was tired of listening. That's what listening that's is. Good. Yeah. Yeah, hmm. that's called listening. Oh, oh sorry, Pete. So let's I'll, talk I'll about this to... one here. Uh, here, let's I'm put it over on a great. I'm really glad I gave you all access to yeah. the question. How many Mountain Dews can you drink a day? The question is like, how many can I drink or how many do I or how many do I want to? You know what oh, I mean? I'm because... sorry. I'm bored of this. Pablo says, what's the okay. worst drink you read good comics to and why? Mountain Dew, I think, is that quite the previous yeah, question sure. answered. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Easy Reader is like, what's up, gang? I think that's important to talk Are about. Are you guys a fan of Yellow Jackets on Showtime? I'm so glad it's back and curious about your thoughts on it. Buzz, buzz, buzz. Uh, Do- Droopy but- is pretty great, though. You know For those I mean? of you listening, you may be wondering why this is nonsense. It's because everyone, uh, the three of us all have access to putting text on the screen, and it's a power we can't seem to handle. 
So <laughs> let's just be cool and answer some of the questions. All right, here's right? a question. No, no, here's a question from Pablo Lassie. <laughs> what do you guys think? What's your take on that? Sure. Uh, yes. Yeah. The yes. You got yes. the answer. Justin, is yes. Are you yeah. yes or yeah. no? Oh yeah, big yes to Lassie. <laughs> Save your life. Okay, why don't we go to an actual question here? This is from Schoikler. What are some of your favorite cosmic horror tales? Uh, ooh, nice. Um, I mean, that's a. There are different ways to take this, um, but I'm going to throw. This isn't a comic book answer, but Twin Peaks feels like cosmic horror in a very particular slant of it, and uh, that was the first answer that came to mind. Pete, you got one? Oh, come on. Lassie? <laughs> yeah, we're oh. done. Uh, what are some of your favorite cosmic horror tales, Pete? Uh, I mean, I don't like horror, um, but uh, the one we were reading about that uh, kind of like a uh, ghost ship uh, was pretty creepy. Uh, also, um, Cosmic uh, Dead Ghost Rider. Uh, yeah, Dead Seas. Uh, cosmic uh, Ghost Rider, is, uh, that counts. So that's what I'm going to say. All right, that counts. Yeah, um, I mean, I throw out like elements of Ice Cream Man. Sometimes feel like cosmic horror. Good. That's a great answer. Ooh, okay, that, all right. that works. And Mike Bignola's stuff, like a lot of that stuff, skirts it sometimes, or he'll go into Lovecraftian things. Um, so that's always good stuff as well. Uh, to get back to this real quick, because you didn't answer it, Pete. This is from Omnia Soul Archo. How many Mountain Dews could you drink in a day? Well, I have uh, drinking way too many, especially when I was a kid uh, experimenting with life. Uh, mm. My record is 20, and I'm not proud of it, but uh, that was a, oh that was a crazy God. day. That was a crazy wow. day. Wow. Wow, that's too many. Pete, how, this is definitely some Why? sort of ghost situation you're in. Uh, right? I needed to, I had a, a research project due when I was in college and uh, I was just, uh, I needed to stay up and couldn't sleep. So um, that's what nice. happens. Right, uh, was, the most, was the paper just you screaming into uh, <laughs> your a little laptop? Bit, a little bit. What would, uh, look, do you remember what the, the subject of that you had to stay up all night doing? Oh yeah, man. It was on Edward Ruloff, the learned murderer he was this dude in Ithaca, New York, and there was a bar named after him who was like this genius murderer who got away with all these uh, horrific murders. And uh, they finally kind of got him, and we were doing this research project on him. So uh, I'll tell you what, he also got away with a great bar. Uh, no, don't. <laughs> I wouldn't make jokes about this. This guy is a horrible person. But uh, No, but it was a good bar, right? Back me up here, Pete. I mean, it was a great bar? But it's yeah. weird to talk about to bring that up when we're talking about. I the always horrible... said they killed it, right, uh, Pete? Would you agree with me on that? God, I hate you so much. Yeah, they one really of my favorite things is every Tuesday me. when the uh, when the uh, people coming over a little, or they'd be like, "Hey, we're slashing prices," right, Pete? Yeah, I mean the size. It was uh, it was just <laughs> a regular can, you know. Uh, so if you're going to bring this in, you also have to read the questions. So yeah. it says twenty <laughs> of what size? We're doing an audio podcast. You got to read the stuff. Uh, this is very fun. Some people watch it on YouTube, you know. Great, Pablo this is like what? Letting what? a Chat GPT take over, right? <laughs> what classic comic books would you read as an adult today? All of them. Yeah, let me let me flip the question. Is there a comic that you're like, I, I'm sort of over that in your collection? Mm. Like, yeah, I wouldn't go cool. back. I feel like I've progressed as a thinker, as a, a 
a Mountain Dew drinker, <laughs> I wouldn't ever go back to this particular comic. Man, I don't know. I, I think... I know I've been bringing this up a lot, but this is like literally every day, all day. But my eight-year-old has started religiously reading comics. And so he's been asking me about a lot of the stuff that we have in our bookcases, like about the different storylines on the way to school today. We were talking about the Dark Phoenix saga. Uh, and he, I, I was trying to think like, should he read that? Is that a thing that other than the historical context makes a, a sense as a story? And I think that's something that does, but there's definitely been a lot of things that we've talked about. Like, Honestly, I think a lot of older comic storylines work more as historical documents rather than something that has the same emotional impact. And that's because just basic things like the density of the writing, like there's a lot of words and characters standing around and not it's not dynamic in the same way that we want from comics today. So some of them work, but some of them don't. I know that's a very vague thing, but like, there you go. I guess I would say the Marvel swimsuit issues. Mm, all right. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, uh, Darren, Darren Maynard, I would maybe pass on Youngblood. Yes, uh, Pete is still bringing fair... up comments, but not actually reading them out loud. This is from Frederico Rosa says, did you guys see Secret Invasion got its release date leaked? Oh, leaked! So this briefly went up, I believe, last night as we're taping it on Disney+. Plus the uh, a page got posted and i couldn't find it by the way like somebody posted on twitter by the time i got there and checked which is probably an hour later the page wasn't there anymore so i can't Mm. verify it or anything but it was a page for secret invasion that said it's coming out june 21st and it's six episodes Uh, disney hasn't confirmed it yet they haven't said that it's happening but that certainly seems to line up with it it makes sense right I think so. Six episodes makes a lot of sense. That may, makes the most sense. The date, I think that's a fine date. I don't know if that's... The date doesn't seem purposefully purposeful, unless it's a coming off of uh, a Star Wars thing that we'll just be finishing or something like that. I think... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they're rolling out this Marvel stuff at this point, because there's been such a huge gap um they have mandalorian is running through beginning of april like april 15th or something like that whatever that is um so there's definitely going to be a gap there potentially i don't know it's weird it's interesting well just a larger topic like it's interesting just how coy all of this has become Mm -hmm. when like you know a year ago is like we could mark our calendars with all the stuff that was coming out and know exactly when hmm uh, Pablo says the release was official according to IGN based on a comment that I believe Pete brought up but didn't read out loud. Uh, if he, here's another one if you could choose a comic to get an adaptation similar to The Last of Us as a limited series, which would you choose? Ooh, great call, Justin. You gonna say concrete or am I? You could say it. You, okay. I feel like you're the concrete guy, you've taken it, take fully taken ownership of it. I think sometimes we go back and forth, but all right, man. I'm not, I'm not saying it out of a sad place. I think it's great. Uh, so, so, yeah, yeah I guess concrete. if we're talking about a Last of Us limited series, we're saying like prestige HBO limited series. You'd say concrete because I kind of I wouldn't want a limited series of concrete. I want them to like really oh, take really? their time and sit in it. Wow. I feel like you could do a good limited series with concrete. And similar to Last of Us, if it crushes, then you do a couple more. But yeah. let me throw 
Yeah. One you want to go on mute for a second for no particular reason? Okay, great. Um, Pete, what would you want to see? What would you want to see like other than concrete though? Any other books? Well, I mean, there's stuff, uh, you know, I really liked uh, uh, Gravel, um, you know, I thought it was mm. kind of this cool, like, dirty... Concrete, Gravel, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was a dirty, hairy, hard magician Car. type of character that was, I thought, was very interesting. Yeah. No, that um, is a good call. I get, gravel would be fun. If we're talking about Last of Us, I guess maybe I would want to try um, their comic, what's it called? Walking Dead would be cool. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. Do you think they could pull that off, though? I feel like Zombies is an ongoing TV series. I, I mean, true. it get compared to Last of Us. It would get compared to Last of Us, but, you know, they would just try to have to do it in a new way and occasionally touch on elements. Of do you Last think, though, like, if they did a wa Walking Dead series, people would be like, oh, you're just copying Last of Us. You're just doing kind of like the same thing, but instead of fungal zombies, it's regular zombies. Well, maybe they could do a thing where every couple episodes take a big swerve, you know? Mm -hmm. But then have some episodes that are like just like Last of Us that are like cram all of Last of Us tropes into one right. episode. I, what I, I would love is like if there was some sort of arc, a Walking Dead, like if they did a Walking Dead show, one of my favorite episodes of Last of Us is the one with the cannibal preacher. If they took that and oh, expanded yeah. that out to Yeah, I wanted more episodes. time with him. <laughs> oh man, that was so much fun. That was good. So I, I wanted to see more. Drag out the horror. You know? I want to give a shout out to some of the people who are commenting some great stuff. Uh, Better Root, Easy Reader brought up. Chew, Straight Bullies brought up House of Slaughter. Uh, a yeah. lot of great stuff. Righteous, And, and you're not, just to make clear, you're not going to read the one that's on screen, right? Peter? Exactly. <laughs> you get, you're starting to catch on to my bit. I... <laughs> the, <laughs> that's not a bit. Uh, Righteous Thirst Revengeance from Michael Northrup Yes, that's a great call um, And that's already very cinematic If you're not reading that Rick Remender story That finished, uh, I want to say, three, four months ago um, uh, Well, and, let's uh, talk about this one for a second Because I'm curious to, to actually get your take on this, Pete, for real Pablo says, I'm waiting on movies or TV shows Based on milestone characters Obviously, we got Static Shock back in the day But what do you think about that? Would... How would Milestone work on TV? What would you want to see? I, I think they that? could do a really cool, like, kind of, like, 80s style to kind of capture a little bit of the kind of Milestone style a little bit. And it would be a, an awesome TV show, uh, you know, uh, you know, somewhere between six to ten apps and just kind of really kind of sit with some of the characters. Uh, I think it would be phenomenal. What would yeah, you want to see? That. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sure, sorry, shouts to that. Um, I think it was the second or third story in the milestone anniversary book that we just talked about on the stack yeah. that was Static Shock Beyond. A uh, yeah, that was really take. cool. That was really cool. Well, quick follow up question though, Pete. Would you want to see, would you prefer to see like Avenger style? You get all of the characters, get their own series leading up to a mashup series, or would you want to see Milestone? the series that includes everything well i uh, that's that's a, you're kind of really messing with the geek in me because part of me would be like oh my god if we got milestone we can see everybody uh but if they wanted to focus just on a couple and really flesh out the story that would also be amazing but it would be sick if they did kind of like a whole group thing i just don't know if everyone would kind of geek out about that um uh, or if they started individuals and then kind of built towards it you know yeah, uh, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. 
Awesome. And I think that is it. Thank God for your audience questions. Oh, yeah. We're going to move yeah. on. Oh, thank God. Huh? Is that stressing uh, you out? Yeah, just a little bit. Just a oh. little bit. It's fine. Uh, Derek Maynard says, say my name, Pete. Damn it. Say those uh, names. Too many producers spoil the soup. I always say, why don't we move on to the next section, which is my favorite section. Uh, no, it's not. It's just a section. Trivia with Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Definitive. Definitive. Alex's least favorite section. Okay, and I, I did uh, just put it up and, uh, to cue somebody up for trivia, so we don't have anybody lined up for it. Oh, nice. Good. Well, this is the part we give back to the lovely Maybe audience. somebody could pop in. You know, it's an opportunity to win $25 free to Midtown Comics Online. Or, of course, because we're talking about comics, you also have the option to along John Silver's, um, you know, because that makes total sense. Uh, yeah, it's an opportunity to win and, uh, you know, uh, spend some money, some comic books, which everybody would want to do. Uh, so, yes, if anybody does want to participate in trivia, just let us know. Put your hand up in the comments and we will do a comment style trivia today. It's like, in, it's like in Planet of the Apes when they first started using tools. That's like Pete figuring out these comments. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> it's, fun. It's a, it seems fun in the moment, but it's actually very dangerous. <laughs> Ooh, Pablo's hand up, please. All right. I think, Pablo, you got it. So, Pablo, uh, just comment in the comment section, and we will get to it. Yeah, just right. start typing A now, and then we'll just get awarded to you shortly. All right, cool. So, today's trip is a topical <laughs> comic news and a small nod to the legend, Barbara Boston. R.I.P. Please listen to all three options before making your selection. Here we go. Question number one. Moon Knight number 14 will bring back which long-lost villain? Is it A, Morpheus, B, not a dope, or C, Peggy Pope? Not a dope, Peggy Pope, not a dope, Peggy Pope, not a dope, Peggy Pope, not a dope, Peggy Pope. So you're Peggy just Joe going for rhymes now is what's going on, right? Well, here. you know, in uh, the first one, you know. Hmm. Yeah. Right. One of them has to be right, technically, right? Yeah. So uh, Pablo's correct that Morpheus is the villain mm. they're bringing back uh, in Moon Knight number 14. I'm looking forward to that. Should be some fun stuff. Here we go. Question number two <laughs> Who is teaming up with the thing to take on a celestial? Is it A, the Hulk? B, what do you call it when you're in debt to the Australian Outback? Or C, Owen Bush? I don't know. What do you what do you think? Oh, Non Smith says I wanted it to be number three. Yeah. Usually you don't do numbers. Usually you yeah. do. Yeah. A, uh, you're correct there, uh, Pablo. What, it is A. You... <laughs> A is correct. The Hulk and the Thing will be teaming up to take on the Celestial. Uh, very Celestial. Celestial. There you go. There you go. I think it's appropriate there. that you correct yeah, me sometimes. You nailed it. No, I let you slide when you slur your way through stuff. Cool. All right. So the last one, question oh number three. God. The I new mentioned hoodies at the beginning of the show and you lost your mind. 
Well, you know, this is still a little backed up from that uh, fun we had with the last podcast. All right, here we go. The last one. <laughs> which the... hasn't got up yet. Pete. Yeah, yeah. Which doesn't make sense to anybody but us. All right, here we go. <laughs> the last question. The new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game is being compared to blank. Is it A, God of War, B, Sewer Sam, or C, Will Wheaton? Will Wheaton. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh Pablo, you were correct. It is a uh, God of War, which makes me very excited for the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game that is based off the last Ronin graphic novel. So, should be some fun. It should be some fun. All right, yeah. there we go. Did Pablo says A? That, Did you get it that right? That is correct. Yes. Wow. Incredible. And of course, I know Zalbin, you're dying to know. We're talking about the. 1984 hit the last starfighter which uh you know Ooh, so, yeah. okay great movie yeah is it i don't i haven't seen it a long time but as a kid <laughs> i was super impressed i liked it as a kid yeah, yeah. uh well there we go the- congratulations pablo you would have won a 25 dollars gift card to either midtown comics or long john silvers your choice just shoot us an email and we will get that off to you now new comics Coming out this week once again. Big surprise to everybody. What are you looking forward to, Pete? Uh, Unstoppable Doom Patrol number one, as well Mm. as it's clobbering time. Mm. Um, Yeah, this is uh, Steve Scrochy. Scrochy, yep. Scrochy. Doing the Hulk and the Thing, beating up some monsters. And it's not a one-shot. It's ongoing. I know. Big surprise. How about that for a fun surprise? Um, I'm looking forward to um, Local Man Number Two from Tim Seeley and uh, Ooh, Tony Fleet. Nice one, man! This comic about a, a guy who's on an Avengers like super team is disgraced and comes back to his hometown to deal with the consequences. I have been loving for the first two issues. Really gets into and captures the small town vibe as well as the great superhero action. We get backups where we see sort of '90s style uh, comics about the time that the hero Crossjack is on the super team, like really, really loving it. And the only other one I wanted to say was um, once upon a time at the end of the world, the Jason Aaron um, romance apocalypse, wild read, uh, just like you'd expect from Jason Aaron is fun and worth checking out. Yeah, definitely. You guys took some great ones there. I'll throw out It's Jeff, number one. Oh, yeah, uh, dude. Of course. Um, I know. I know. I'm an easy mark. Kelly Thompson, Gary Hyru. Love both of them. This is a collection of the digital strips that they've been oh. doing about the land shark who is friends with Hawkeye. Absolutely delightful. Very excited to talk to you guys about that and all of those books in our Stack podcast which pops up 9 a.m. on Wednesdays in the Stack feed, as well as the Comic Book Club feed, so definitely check it out. Um, now, before we go, I want to mention this week, we are sponsored by one of our amazing listeners, yeah, uh, yeah. David Beckton. Worlds Away is back with its third and final Kickstarter campaign, collecting issues number one through number four. This new comic is written by Mad Cave Studios 2021 talent search winner Damien Beckton, and is for fans of The Last God, Radiant Black, God of War, and Saga. When an intergalactic intergalactic, excuse me, soldier and her estranged young daughter crash land on a mystical alien planet full of dangerous creatures and magic-wielding beings, the duo must brave this new land with their high-tech armor to find the resources to escape with their lives. Think Radiant Black meets God of War. 
That should sell, sell you on it, right? Oh, I think. Wow, yeah. Uh, with already two successful Kickstarter campaigns and over $10,000 pledged for the first two issues, the final campaign still needs your help to bring this epic saga to a close. <coughs> don't die. <laughs> with the final two issues, I don't want to die before this Kickstarter campaign closes. Worlds Away number three and four. Join the 190 plus backers today and help bring the winner of You Promised Me Comics 2022. Kickstarter Comic of the Year Award to Life. Go to www.worldsawaycomic.com today to pledge for digital copies or print copies or both. That's www.worldsawaycomic.com. Kickstarter campaign ends March 31st at 12 p.m. So get in there now and check that out. And Ooh. folks, that is it for this week's show. A couple of people we want to thank. We want to thank Jesse Sharon for coming on. Definitely yes. check out the other happy place on Zoom. That is up now for the next 15 days. It is terrifying and awesome. Also, Danger and Other Unknown Risks coming yes. out from Penguin on April 4th from Ryan North and Erica Henderson. Another great book. You all are going to love great. this one. Great Definitely book. check yeah. it out. A uh, couple of other things to plug. Sons of a Gun, our DC podcast, is rolling out weekly. Pete and I had a mostly pleasant discussion about Batman sure 1989. Can't, be... can't wait to hear <laughs> on it. Friday. Mostly pleasant, I think. Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast. We're now doing Marvel weekly Marvel news updates. So check that out. Those are rolling out of the Marvel Vision feed. And Riffledale... Oh my gosh. Riverdale After Dark, our Riverdale podcast, is starting again tomorrow night, Wednesday. It's all back. Because Riverdale. the show's starting. The show's oh back, God. so we're back. Final season. Oh, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Patreon.com slash comic book club to support the show and all the shows we do. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram and TikTok, Comic Book Club Live.com. For this podcast and many more. Until next time, good night. Good night! Come find us. We're everywhere. Hey, hey, hey.